All right, folks, welcome to part three of the Take the Points College Football Podcast, Bowl Game Spectacular. We are coming off uh, a good day today. We had picked uh, Syracuse to cover uh, plus 10. Dan was one of the only people on earth to pick Oklahoma, which just wrapped up, recording this on Thursday, December 29th, and uh, we're doing well. So either we'll fuck up every single pick tonight or we'll keep this hot streak going. Hello to my co-hosts, Dan Partridge and Ryan Spillett, both in Arizona. Gentlemen, how's your holidays? How's the bowl game season been for you? Good, Ron. Uh, or Everything's fine. Uh, mellow, <laughs> watching college football, can't complain. Things are good, Tom. Got to go back to uh, upstate New York. Got to see Tom in person mm-hmm. at, in oh. real life. Uh, that was nice. And then uh, made it back to Phoenix because I did not fly Southwest. Uh, and yeah, good to be back. We had our annual take the point stakeholders meeting with me and Ryan. There, there's, if we get two out of three, that's enough for a uh, voting consensus. So anyway, but at the end I was like, Ryan, you're flying through New York. If something happens, you give me a call. I'll come down in from Connecticut and pick you up. You're like, okay, sounds good. I'm like, no, I'm very serious. <laughs> I've seen how things go this holiday season. It's a 50-50 chance you're getting anywhere. I got so lucky. This was the smoothest, easiest flight I've taken in probably since pre-COVID times. Like, it could not have gone smoother. I flew out of Rochester. First of all, take the points, listeners. I'm going to have a little, little chat with you guys here. For those of you not from upstate New York... Rochester, New York is known for a specific food delicacy called the garbage plate. The garbage plate is a horrible, horrible thing. Here's how it works. I'll keep this quick. You take two sides. You get choices of like uh, mac salad, potato salad, french fries, tater tots, baked beans, whatever. You pick two of them and they just fill the whole bottom of the plate with those two things. Then you pick your protein, your burger, your hot dog, whatever. And there's no bun. They just take the burgers and they just throw those on top, slop it right on top of there. And then you get the hot sauce, which is not hot sauce in Rochester. It's actually chili without the beans. And they pour that over the top of all that. That's a garbage plate. They are serving those in the Rochester airport. Who the hell would eat a garbage plate and get on an airplane? What kind of horrible human being would do that to themselves and to others? I was shocked and appalled. And that was the extent of the craziness with the trip. Everything else totally smooth. Uh, Yeah. Dan picked me up at the airport. That was great. Dan, thanks a lot. Welcome. That was uh, fantastic. So good to be back. <laughs> the airport garbage plate is a bold decision. I don't, I've never had a garbage plate, not at like 2.30 a.m. So I can't actually confirm that they're actually good. I'm told they're good. They were good when I had them. But as you may guess, at 2.30 a.m., you know, I'm not making wise decisions or uh, my taste buds are all in not in the highest 
working order. So, well, well, if you've ever woken up the next morning with an half-eaten garbage plate on a table and you walk downstairs and you look at it, you never say, ah, oh, that looks good. I'm going to heat that up and finish that. Gross. It's never been said. So, Tom, I can verify it is awful. Outside of 2.30 in the morning, it is not good. <laughs> All right. We are besmirching the good name of uh, the garbage plate. Tune in next week when we shit on tomato pies from Utica. Uh, but no we, way. <laughs> I like tomato pies and I have had those. Oh, yeah. All right. They're great. This is enough upstate New York food talk. We'll get to, you know, Duff's wings. We'll get to garbage plates. We'll get to uh, tomato pies in a future episode. But right now we've got to talk about college football. We left off with the games on December 30th last time. And so we pick up with the games beginning December 31st, a couple days from now. We're going to do the six remaining non-playoff games first, and then we'll wrap this episode up with the two first-round playoff games, and then we'll be back again in about a week to um, preview the final, do our Zach Mills Award, all that stuff, induct people into the Take the Points Hall of Fame, all of our uh, classic segments, which have been ripped off by all other football podcasts. So I'm going to turn it over to Dan Partridge. I believe we're kicking off with the Music City Bowl which I have a lot to say about, but uh, you take it away, Dan. Music, sorry, the trans-perfect Music City Bowl from Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee pits the Iowa Hawkeyes against the Kentucky Wildcats. Iowa minus two, total 31. Is this Army-Navy? No, it's Iowa, Kentucky. Um, okay, it's so the Big Ten West. Correct. Uh, tons of opt-outs and whatnot. Um, Spencer Petrus out for Iowa, which is probably a good thing. Bunch of other players for them. Kentucky, everybody's not playing. Will Levis isn't playing. Uh, Chris Rodriguez isn't playing. Some other skill players aren't playing. Nobody cares about this game. Uh, it's actually on the exact same time as Alabama. No one's going to watch this game. Um, just just absolutely terrible. So, Tom, take it away. First off, uh, to trans perfect, I say, you know, in this age of all the uh, LGBT hatred, kudos to the state of Tennessee for declaring that trans people are, in fact, perfect the way they are. Uh, you understate when... You say everyone's gone. I mean, uh, Cavassier Smoke, one of our f- favorite players in all college football, he's sitting out. Kentucky's great cornerback, Valentine, he's out. Kentucky fired their offensive coordinator, which is great. Uh, how often do you have a potential number one pick quarterback and your OC gets fired in the same year? That's got to be a rarity. Uh, <laughs> Iowa, you say Spencer, Spencer Petrus is injured and he's out for this game, which normally we'd say, like, hell yeah. Uh, The only problem is their backup, Alex Padilla, who didn't look great in his last performance. He went to the portal. So the starting QB for this game for Iowa will be Joey Labas, Joey Labats. Lebowski? Uh, Yeah, Joey Lebowski, never thrown a pass. Still a push with Spencer Petras. Also, he will not have Keegan Johnson, Iowa's best receiver, who is in the transfer portal to Kansas State, that's a player to watch in 2023. 
you take Kansas State, how good they've done this year, and you add uh, one of the most underrated uh, receivers in the country. So that's going to be great. Think about Chuck Sizzle getting the hell out of Iowa and going to Purdue and being a star performer this year. So Keegan Johnson's going to do the same down there. Uh, this is a game we've talked all year about the elusive 29.5 over under and Vegas is too cowardly to do it with Iowa, but this would be the game. Um, but again, it's just sitting at 31 and not moving Vegas are cowards. Make this total 29, please. I will be looking for an all under and betting that. All right, Ryan thoughts. Pass. <laughs> under. All right. Under. <laughs> Eight games and we're like, fuck this shit. Uh, I like Iowa a lot. Uh, I, Kentucky without Will Levis is awful. And with them missing other players as well, I don't think they show up at all for this game. Um, Iowa, I mean, come on. All year they, they never score on offense anyway, so what's it matter? They'll find a way to score on defense for special teams twice and try to win this game like 17 to 6. I was uh, my pick yeah, was 14-6, uh, four, a punt return and an interception. I like Iowa. I think Iowa wins this game. I feel like they are like, "Haha, we actually made it to an important bowl game and we're going to beat an SEC school just to throw it everyone's face for making fun of them all year." Um yeah, anyway, Iowa under hook it. Question for you guys. Who made out better, Iowa uh, in the portal picking up Cade McNamara of Michigan and uh, UK picking up uh, Dennis Leary of NC State in the portal? Who's in a better position for next year with those guys? Leary. Kentucky. Keep yeah. in mind, Iowa has never had a semi-competent quarterback ever. They still might not. Never. Okay. Oh for oh for their history. All right, let's move on here. Uh, All State Sugar Bowl. Also early, uh, ten a.m. start. Alabama, Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State won the Big Twelve in overtime against TCU. Uh, scrappy team all year. Um, they had a really really great year. Uh, explosive running back and Deuce Vaughn. Uh, great defense. Uh, really, really good, solid team. Unfortunately, they're playing Alabama, and Alabama, uh, uh, their star players are playing, and they're pissed off. Uh, Bryce Young's playing. Will Anderson's playing. Uh, not good. This line opened at three and moved to six and a half. We are back in the rule one of college football gambling. It applies to this spot. You bet on Alabama or you do not bet the game. I see Alabama playing Kansas State. I see a line under seven points. I see the game being played in Louisiana. Give me Alabama. Short and sweet. Ryan? Yeah, totally agree. This is this – is, bet this as soon as you possibly can before it gets over seven, even though that's not going to matter either. But – it's going to it's gonna shoot up, I think. I think it's going to get way up there. It might even get up close. I think it's going to get to like 9.5, 10 by kickoff. Alabama has everyone playing, like Dan said. They're ready to go. Kansas State's had a nice season, but they're not ready for this. Uh, I think this is also a really, really nice over spot right here. Um, 
everyone is playing. Kansas State's going to throw the kitchen sink. Every trick play that they worked on all year that they haven't run yet, they're going to run them. So <clears throat> I like the over a lot in this spot. I think it's going to be something like 45 to 30, something like that. So it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. I liked Kansas State in an under when this first came out because I was assuming everyone from Bama would sit out or at least Anderson and Bryce Young, which would make a world of difference. I'm shocked that they're playing. I still think you have to wait until game time just in case they pull a Kayshawn Butte and change their mind. But we're getting close and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. So you can't bet against Alabama should those guys play. Now, if Bryce Young and Anderson magically decide not to play tomorrow, then I do think that changes everything, and I would strongly consider a K-State bet. But full strength, Alabama all the way. All right, let's move on to uh, Monday, January 2nd. We have to skip the first due to getting NFL'd. This happens once every seven years. It's unfortunate. I don't like it. Um, But... At least we got games on January 2nd. So the the Real Relia Quest, I don't know, one of the R- two. Relia Bowl, Quest. Relia Quest, see, neither. Option three. Relia Quest Bowl from Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. Mississippi State, Illinois. Mississippi State by a point and a half, total 46. I could be wrong, but I think this is the biggest lock in college football gambling history. And I don't want to jinx it. They're playing a game in a pirate stadium with a pirate ship in the end zone for the coach of Mississippi State from an SEC school who just passed away. We just saw last night Ole Miss play against Texas Tech. I'm such an idiot. I miss Texas Tech. Leach, coach for Texas Tech. They all Everyone was all about Leach. Plus, they're playing against his current rival at Ole Miss, like it was so set up. Of course, Texas Tech was going to win that game on the money line. Illinois has two good players on their team, Chase Brown, the running back, and their cornerback, uh, both opting out. Their head coach is a fucking moron. What's there to talk about here? I don't understand. Mississippi State should be favored by 14. It was Illinois minus one last week. It's trending towards Mississippi State, but minus three or so. It's been moving every day. SEC defense, Illinois, no offense. Illinois, terrible coach. Mississippi State, going to have all the emotion in the world. They got a great quarterback who sets records. They're going to spread them out and throw it all over the field. What's there to talk about? Mississippi State, minus one and a half. Make it your biggest wager of the year and just have some fun with it. Ryan, what do you think? I mean, I couldn't have said that better myself. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just add on that the over-under is 46, and I think Mississippi State can get to about 40 themselves. So go ahead and just hook that over on top of that too. Tom? Mm -hmm. Well, I obviously can't um, go against you guys, or I can't really even say much out of respect to Mike Leach. I mean, it's amazing to me. Illinois was minus 2.5 at one point depending on the book and now Mississippi state flipped and that's all just Mike Leach based as far as I can tell. I mean, I guess um, Chase Brown opting out helps that, but um, I'm higher on Illinois than you guys. 
I think they're a pretty good team. They've got a great offensive line. Their backup running backs good. They'll be just fine without Chase. But it's it's Mike Leach. It's in the Pirate Stadium. It's Mississippi State. You saw what happened with Texas Tech. Multiply that by three. So, you know, what else can you do? Rest in peace, Mike Leach. All right, let's move on to the the old Goodyear Cotton Bowl from from Jerry World in Arlington, Texas. Uh, Tulane takes on USC. Tulane's biggest bowl game since World War II. Nice story for them, winning their conference. They play USC, who is one game away from playing in a national championship. Um, of course, there's some opt-outs for USC. Uh, Jordan Addison, a couple other players. Allegedly, Caleb Williams is playing. Um, I'm not so sure still, even two days before that, but I think it's 50-50. Even if he misses the game, I I don't think it – I mean, obviously it matters, but I I still like USC. Look, I know Tulane's had a good season. They'll be very uh, motivated, but I just think uh, they're a little bit outclassed here. It's a short line, only two points for USC, total 62. Give me uh, USC and the over and – you know, I could be wrong, but uh, if Caleb Williams plays, I'm happy laying under a field goal. That's my pick for that. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm not uh, trusting 100% that Caleb Williams will play. I was kind of surprised to hear that, much like Bryce Young. It's just weird who opts out and who doesn't. There seems It seems very random this year. My feeling is this is going to be like that Georgia-Hawaii game if USC's first string played. They're just way better than Tulane, and it doesn't matter how motivated Tulane was, USC would crush them. Now, with Addison out, if Caleb Williams doesn't play, a few other guys decide to opt out, and it ends up being closer to like first string Tulane versus second string USC, then I think it's a pretty tight game. Uh, I would probably still take USC if it's only at two, but I expect it to be closer. So... (laughs) Just watch for the opt-outs and wait till game time to bet this. But if it ends up a, a short line and Caleb Williams is playing, I mean, I think this is an easy one. If he plays, I think they win by double digits. Ryan. I mean, you guys are all kind of making, you know, the right play, the right decisions here. I just have this weird Lincoln Riley bull thing stuck in the back of my head it's just same yeah but that's against georgia and i know it just it hurts i can see him somehow blowing this game 34 30 i just don't know how it's gonna happen it's it's the weirdest i can't shake this feeling vegas is can't shake this feeling that's why it's two and not nine and true and we say this all the time like we see a shady line and we're like Vegas knows something we don't. It might not be an opt-out. It might be Caleb Williams had a hamstring tweak in practice the day before the bowl game, not going to play. That's 100% in a possibility where he went to the Lincoln Riley. He's like, look, coach, I don't want to like, get the shit for being like to opt out and all that, but like, come on, man. Like, can we just say I got hurt? like the day before we'll just, I won't practice. We'll let the other guy get ready prep for him. But like day before, just, just let's call it a day. I, I just had, that's the thing I'm thinking. It's not an opt out. I'm thinking he's going to have like the fake hamstring and, and just have to sit this one out. 
So oh, for, for sure. I mean, we all saw him hobbling around in his last game. So if they just said during the game, oh, we thought he'd be ready, but it turns out, you know, it's still a little tender and we're not going to risk our. Uh, he he re-aggravated it. Yeah. yeah he re-aggravated yeah. it. That wouldn't shock me it's, at all, which is why I say wait till game time. Yeah. I just can't shake that feeling. Vegas can't shake that feeling. USC is the, the 100% the play, but I just, I don't know, man. Got a weird feeling. I agree with you, Ryan. Like normally I would hammer this, but I, I've placed no action on this game and I, I'm not sure if I even will. I'm just probably, I'm just going to bet a ton on Mississippi state instead to pretend like this game's not going on and just kind of keep it at an arm's length. I'm giving this one a stiff arm, keeping it away. Is this crowd's going to be like 80% Tulane, right? You would think, right? Yeah, USC I don't think fans a lot of USC... were championship or bust, and they're not going out to yeah. Texas right now. No, they Tulane are staying in town and and heading to the Rose Bowl to watch Penn State Utah instead. Buses can you know they're going to have just hordes of buses flowing in from Tulane. Like, yeah, USC fans aren't going to this game. This is going to be no. all Tulane, the whole crowd, and all the neutral people are all going to root for Tulane too. Yeah. Yes, if you're an true. alumni of Tulane and you, you make enough money at your job for a plane ticket and or bus ticket, you're going. It's true. All right, let's move it on to the cheese it citrus bowl. Oh boy. From camping world stadium in Orlando, Florida, uh, LSU, LSU minus 14 and a half, total 56. Um, LSU with about, I don't know, 35 opt-outs and transfers in this game, which is normal for them every year. Um, Purdue, uh, their quarterback, uh, Adrian O'Connell opting out uh, and some other players as well. Look, I know it's the SEC, but... I don't trust LSU at all in a bowl game, but before I give my pick, because it involves Purdue, Tom, take it away. The O'Connell thing is, uh, that's so tough. I assume that he would play him and Chuck sizzle would play in last game together. And that LSU half their team would opt out and that Purdue would keep it really close. And this would end up being a pretty good bet. Both teams at full strength. I like LSU. LSU not at full strength, but O'Connell playing, I would really like Purdue. And now, I mean, I I don't know. Without him, who the hell knows? I mean, Purdue seems to always have these good quarterbacks, but you're essentially throwing in a brand new guy against LSU defense, even if it's the second string or young guys on LSU. That's gonna that's just a tough place to put a probably young quarterback in. So I'm probably going to stay away in practice, but uh, I think LSU has to be the pick. You can't bet on essentially a Purdue team that's already a Big Ten West seven and five team without their one, like the one guy that made them win the Big Ten West. So it's a uh, LSU by default pick, but I really hate this. Ryan, what do you think about this awful game? Uh, I think I'm taking the points, man. Uh, I don't trust LSU. I don't trust their motivation. I don't trust Brian Kelly. 
I don't know, man. I just think, I mean, this game's highly just, suspect. Yeah, it is just, oh, yeah. it's just so, it's such a shady game. And for this one to be the one with like the highest spread is just, I can't, that doesn't make any sense to me. So I'm going to go ahead and just take the points because that's a ton of points and, uh, and just kind of hope for that. It's just too many points for me. Do you guys remember a few weeks ago, part one of the, our bowl game preview? Dan, I believe it was you who asked the question, what games are upcoming that haven't had a lot of opt-outs yet or a lot of activity that you expect a lot of things to happen that's going to influence the line? I think we all picked this game as one that's going to be sort of shady by the time game time rolls around, who knows who would actually be playing. And the prediction came true. So your best bets to just stay away as uh, God smack would say. Well, also, I accidentally just, I accidentally said a God smack lyric like verbatim. So I had to throw that in. Fair enough. Uh, real quick though, this is the cheese it citrus bowl, but wasn't, there was already a cheese it bowl earlier today correct i'm feeling the cheesiest cheese they is, have they are taking they, over orlando it's spreading it's spreading like covid throughout the state of florida is that everyone is that the official all over them is that the official snack of dr pepper drinkers because those two seem to be dr the, pepper and cheese together they they run college football and tostitos i don't know how tostitos is losing its grip cheese it's is taking they over. have lost their grip they're out they're out of the, the fiesta bowl they are bad um so yeah if you want to have a like official college football party you would serve dr pepper and cheez-its dr pepper fun fun fact on dr pepper uh there's a uh a thing that's been going around like instagram and tiktok the past week if you mix corona with amaretto together it tastes like dr pepper and there's someone who was like I'm the biggest fan of Dr. Pepper. This is bullshit. I'm here to try it. And the guy opens the thing up and he mixes it together and he's like, I'll be damned. How the hell is that possible? <laughs> he's like, this one's actually true. This is blowing my fucking mind. How is this possible? So anyway, I think, uh, I, I think that was a rumor that's been around for ever since we were in college. I may have had Corona one of those and dogs in Cancun back in like Oh three. I don't know how it's possible, but. It's magic. Um, now, now, what two things would you mix? What two shitty things would you mix together to make a cheese it substitute? Oh God! Um, you take like a- wheat thins and <laughs> uh, like nacho cheese that like you get the movie theater for nachos, like that <laughs> from thick the pump? orange. Yeah, like the thickest shit ever. It's like it's not even cheese. It's like. It's just like orange lard with food coloring. Oh it's just like it's a lot. It's just lard with food coloring. There's no actual cheese. Lactose-free cheese substitute. You take a uh, a bag of che- uh, Cheetos. You you crunch those up into fine dust. Then you pour that into a bag of croutons and you mix that around. And there you go. You got some budget che- cheeses. I know that was a joke question and two joke answers, but I think you're actually correct, both of you. Unfortunately, yes. So that's gonna be right, my that's on. gonna be my New Year's party. I'm gonna serve. <laughs> it's gonna be a great party. Corona and amaretto and wheat thins and um, Lowe's movie theater nacho cheese mm. substitute. Very delicious. You guys want to come? 
No. Um, Penn State, Utah. Utah minus two. Total 52 and a half. Uh, Penn State's got some opt-outs. Joey Porter Jr., some other key contributors. Utah, uh, their three best players have opted out. Uh, Clark Lloyd, Tavian Thomas, and um, Kincaid, the tight end. Um, I'll take this one. Look, Cam Rising isn't that good. Uh, I, I, I think he's gotten worse. He's he, he has a little Zach Mills in him. Uh, he was better last year than he is this year. I've seen some suspect performances from him. Utah was at this game last year. It was a big deal to them. Uh, it's so obvious that their motivation is not as high this year when three of their players have opted out for this game. If Penn State can't beat Utah without three players, that's pretty sad. Um, but James Franklin is the coach for Penn State, and that makes it very difficult. Um I have no idea. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, I forgot to tell you, uh, the pick for my lap for the last game for me, LSU Purdue is under 56 is my pick for that. I don't, I think it's a sloppy mess of a game. Like anyway, um, back to this one, give me over 52 in this game. I'm not sure how, but when Penn state played here against USC, it was a shootout. I think both defenses aren't as good as normal. And I think both coaches are actually going to have some, fun with this game um it's gonna be kind of laid back uh so yeah anyway over 52 and a half is my play in this game tom penn state take it away dan very astute very astute and this is why we do a show together that is better than all other college football programs uh despite being far less popular than all of them um everyone expects this to be a smash mouth low scoring game i think the opposite as you said i think it's gonna be a fun High scoring. It's not going to be like Ohio State, Utah last year. Not that high, but I'm thinking like 31, 28, 35, 31, something in that range. I'm really not sure who wins. When the the game first was announced, I thought it was a tough draw for Penn State. I thought that Utah, Utah had the advantage. The more I think about it and with the opt-outs, the opt-outs Penn State is losing just as good a players, if not better. Like Joey Porter Jr. is going to be a first-round pick. Uh, Olu Fashanu, their lineman, uh, he's injured. I guess, I don't know if he's coming back or if I think he's going to the NFL, and he's going to be a very high pick too, which is funny because like Penn State's offensive line isn't that good, but they always seem to have one NFL talent on there. And then Parker Washington, you know, arguably their best receiver is opting out. So on paper, they have just as big, if not bigger losses than Utah, but Penn State has guys who can step in and fill those roles, whereas Utah, losing Thomas and Kincaid especially, they don't have guys who can just step off the bench and fill that in. You know, they don't have the depth, so to speak, or it affects their game plan too much. So I think, as you said, this comes down to just two gunslinging quarterbacks, 42 years combined experience one small business owner. I think those guys just go out there and have fun. And it's Clifford's last game. Is, is it rising's last game or is he coming back? I don't even know. Um, it doesn't matter. I'll look though. that up. I mean, I mean, it's two guys who just, who play the game fun. They make a He's lot a of junior. plays. 
they make a lot of turnovers, two guys who are Brett Favre-esque. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting. Penn State's going to be showcasing a lot of like young talent, especially on the defensive <coughs> side. James Franklin likes to kind of work in next year's guys in the bowl games. So you'll see you'll see the start of next year for Penn State and who's going to be the talented guys on the team. You'll get a preview of guys like Abdul Carter, who I think is going to be the, your next, uh, you know, Micah Parsons-esque stud. But um, it's going to also mean that there's going to be missed tackles and things like that. And it probably will be the same for Utah. And so um, low confidence, but um, I like this to be a Penn State win by about three points, scores in the 30s take the over, take the points with Penn state. And, uh, my one last note, enjoy this game. Cause this might be one of the last, um, quote unquote, traditional Rose bowl games. As we go to a playoff, you're either going to get the Rose bowl as part of the playoff, or you'll get teams that aren't from the big 10 or pack 12 or whatever it may be. There might only be a couple of these left. So I'm expecting a good one. Enjoy it. Enjoy the parade. This is my favorite sporting event in all sports. So I can't wait. Okay. A lot of good points. A lot of things uh, going on. Washington just scored. Um, That's right. So, yeah, I think, I think you guys are both right now with the over. Totally agree with that. This is going to be a, a bit of a fun kind of high scoring game. I think, though, if you're going to pick a side, I think this comes down to Dan kind of said it, alluded to it, said it. Uh, it comes down to, to coaching. And if it's going to come down to coaching a field goal game either way, I'm just going to pick the, the coach I think is better if I think it's a pick em. So I do think this is a pick em game. I do think Utah has a better coach. So I'm going to go you know, with a 38-35 uh, Utah game. For guys like yeah. us. You've got the Rose Bowl rolling right into Bills Bengals Monday night. Doesn't get much better than that. No, that's uh, outstanding. Uh, I'm actually playing 18 holes of golf uh, in the morning before all this too. So quite the day. That's, um, that's, a, that's a good day. Yeah, you know, have to take advantage. Um, Cam Rising only threw for 300 yards or, or more twice this year, both times against USC. Fun fact. Fun fact. Um, all right. Anyway, um, I agree with you, Tom, as well. Penn State and the over. I, like, I think Penn State finds a way to get this one done. All right. No more messing around. We've made it. We've picked hundreds of games. We've done many tarmac reports. We've talked about coaching and restaurants. We've talked about why both of your opinions are wrong every week. We've talked about upstate New York. We've talked about Godsmack. We've talked about Kid Rock. Talked about the cigarette smoking man. And it all gets us down. We have three games left to talk about. Two of them will be covered tonight. We have one more coming for next week. Let's stop messing around. Semifinal one. The Verbo slash Tostitos still Fiesta Bowl. Home of the 2007 Yukon Huskies uh, at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. TCU against Michigan. Michigan minus seven and a half, total 58. 
it's nice to get to this point because there are no opt-outs. There is just some injury news um, for these last two games. But here we go. So, um, so we'll start with TCU. Um, TCU undefeated, magical uh, regular season. A lot of come from behind victories. I think they were losing at halftime in five of their games. Um, fell short in overtime to uh, Kansas State. Um, very close game, obviously. Easily could have won that game. They easily could have lost a couple games this year, too. Um, their quarterback, um, Max, he made the Heisman uh, final list. They have a ton of team speed. They have an, uh, an elite number one wide receiver. Um, well-coached team, um, just really, really solid all around. And they're going to take on Michigan. Um, Michigan last year um, made the playoffs after beating Ohio State, and they got rocked by Georgia. They made a quarterback switch earlier uh, in this year, um, and same story played out. The, this year they played at Ohio State, and people thought Ohio State was going to take care of them, but they ended up waxing Ohio State. Um, big story is um, Blake Corum out for this game with season-ending injury. Um, people think that isn't really that big of a deal. That remains to be seen. Michigan minus 7.5, total 58.5. All right. Um, look, I'm going to root for TCU for sure, and I think TCU can win this game. But Michigan's a more physical team. I think they'll be able to run the ball with success on TCU. I don't think Michigan's defense is necessarily going to shut down TCU either. Um, I don't want to bet against or uh, on Michigan. Um, and I don't have enough confidence to bet TCU plus seven and a half personally. But I do like the over. I like 58 and a half. I think Michigan can get in the 30s and 40s. I think TCU's in the 20s or 30s. Um, I would love to see TCU in the high 30s and Michigan in the low 30s. That would make me the happiest. Um, but, yeah, uh, interesting semifinal. Uh, I don't think a lot of people saw TCU-Michigan as one of the semifinals this year. But, um, all right, uh, Ryan, what do, you, what do you got? Oh, boy. here's This is the hardest thing for a gambler right here, picking you know, a game that's heart versus head. Um, you know, Dan, you're kind of on that. So as I make these, these mental gymnastics in my brain, trying to figure out the best way to play this game, I just keep coming back. Like, am I just being a hater? Am I just, because I just don't like Michigan. Am I being a hater? And I'm like, no, no, I actually believe in TCU. I've watched them all year. The physical thing with Michigan, like that's more of an offensive thing physically. I don't think it's like defensively. I don't think it's going to be that big of a, a deal for TCU to deal with Michigan uh, on that side of the ball because, you know, despite it being the Big 12, Kansas State's physical. That's a physical program. They're going to play you hard every time. Baylor is going to freaking hit you in the mouth. They might not always be good. They might have some ups and downs, but they're a physical program. They're going to whack you. TCU can handle that. It's just a matter of can they can they outscore Michigan? And I think they can. I think they have a quarterback who's proven that he stays cool in all situations. 
Michigan hasn't played any close games. I don't know if their quarterback's going to shit his pants if it's if he's got to make a two-minute drill play. I just don't know, and that worries me. So for those reasons, and because I do think coaching absolutely matters in this spot, and I think that is a clear advantage for TCU. So I'm going to go ahead and pick TCU in this game. I'm going to take a money line on this spot. Let's go. Uh, I forgot to mention that we we uh, have to give exact score predictions for this game. So, Ryan, what's your exact score prediction? 35-33 TCU. Okay. I'm going to go with 38-23 um, Michigan. So it's down to me. I'm the Big Ten guy here, so I mm-hmm. I um, will hopefully not be accused of um, you know favoritism when I say that TCU certainly has a shot in this game. I think that in both of the semifinals, I personally am going to go with the two teams that are more physical and that physically dominate people. I do believe that even in this era of air raids and spreading things out and five wide – Every football game at this level, at the high level playoffs is still one in the trenches and Michigan is better than TCU in the trenches because they're better than all but one other team in the country in the trenches. The Blake Corum injury really is a killer. I I do think Donovan Edwards is really good, but I'd rather have two great running backs than one great running back. Um, Eric all is a guy we haven't talked about much, but he was injured earlier in the year. He's a really good tight end. Who's now in the portal to Iowa. If he didn't get injured and he was playing, that'd be a weapon. Uh, Maisie Smith. We don't have to get into it, but he's, he's a good player on the defensive end and he's got legal issues, um, which are expected to be resolved actually today. So there might've been resolution, but he may not play. So, I think Michigan can get through this game, but you know, if they look at a national championship potentially against, uh, you know, Georgia, maybe those are going to be the kind of things that might catch up to them at that level. Right now, I think Michigan pushes TCU around much in the way Kansas State did, but Michigan's better than Kansas State, and I think they're going to get it done in similar fashion. But it's hard to go against Sonny Dykes and Max Duggan and that heart of his. And the heart they've shown as a team, it's it's hard for me to just completely count TCU off, even though on paper I think it's a clear pick to Michigan. So I am gonna I'm gonna give TCU a hard fought effort, but I've gotta put Michigan 31, TCU 24 is your final, which I believe would put me at an under for the total. Would also be a TCU pick at minus seven and a half or eight. But uh, I won't actually be doing that. So that's about th- as much as I can pick as Michigan to win straight up and uh, move on to the national championship game. They're also Michigan. I mean, yes, they care about Ohio State, but ever since they got rocked by Georgia last year, that team has been solely focused on not getting like coming to the playoffs, physically dominating people, hitting the weight room, getting tougher and they basically have vowed never to get like out physically, just physically beaten down again like that. And you can see the difference, even though this Michigan team doesn't seem they've lost some super talented guys. 
they've been more physical than last year. And so I've got to count on them to make the final. Michigan, none of us like it. We all hate Harbaugh, but I think it's a smart <laughs> Yeah. And, but, you know, like, honestly, though, like, at the same time, like, there's still no way to know. They still haven't played anybody. They played soft-ass Big Ten. Everyone sucks. They played a soft Ohio State team, like, super, super soft. Well, like the one flashy team, team. N- n- this helps your theory, but like, don't forget Michigan did have one close game. In fact, they should have lost this game, but it was Illinois and Brett Bielema. Mm, that's right. I forgot about Illinois that. really had them until the end of that game and Michigan just snuck away with it. And what helped Illinois was they didn't try to go five wide like Ryan day. Um, they didn't try to, you know, get tricky. Like Penn they State. can't. Well, they can't, but what they can do is have five giant offensive linemen who eat at the Waffle House every single day with Brett Bielema Mm -hmm. and just like fucking (laughs) Golden Corral for lunch. Yeah. Yeah. It's guys who go to the Golden Corral and stay through lunch and dinner. And they just, they're like, (laughs) we're not scared. We're not intimidated. We know we're not as talented, but we're going to hit you. And I just don't see TCU as that type of team. Kansas State maybe could do that. Other teams could match up well. And if we get into the final, the preview next week, we can talk about that. You can match up and just, but you have to go at Michigan and not be afraid to play old school smash mouth football. And I don't think TCU's that kind of team. So uh, I'm slightly concerned that um, it could get ugly. It seems to have be one playoff game every year seems to be a blowout or not a great game. And so if that trend continues, I think it it won't happen this year, but if the trend continues, that is the likely candidate. Okay, we will find out on Monday afternoon. Okay, here we go. Um, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Ohio State against Georgia. Georgia minus six and a half, total 62. This is the third game this year for Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is ridiculous um, <laughs> for being a neutral site venue. This shit's ridiculous. Um, it really is. They have hammered their two previous opponents into the ground badly, beating Oregon 56-3 and LSU like, I don't know what the hell that yeah, was, was, like 45-17 or something. I think they got in the 50s. It was like 56-32 yeah. or something like that. Yeah. So they've scored like 100-something points there. Um, not an ideal venue if you're an Ohio State fan to play Georgia in this building. Uh, Georgia knows this building well. They play the SEC title game there. They're, it seems like they're, like this is average for them. There's three games here for them there. It's not fair. Um, okay. Ohio State, no Jackson Smith uh, in Jigba, um, no um, Travion Henderson. Uh, they do have a new lease on life, even though they got embarrassed at home against Michigan. Um, other side, Georgia, um, they are missing um, Nolan Smith, probably their best defender who tore, I believe, a peck uh, in October or so. Um, so he's been out for a while. Um, okay. I'm not going to make my pick. I'm just going to give a little bit more background info. I'll, I'll, I'll go last on this one. I'll let Tom take this one. But um, Georgia isn't as good as last year. I'm not saying that they aren't 
an elite football team. They're just not as good as last year. I mean, but we've, but, but then again, I mean, we, we've seen this with Alabama a lot over the last 15 years where we're like, well, this Alabama team's not as good as the other ones. And then they win the national title with like, you know, whatever, AJ McCarron or who's the other dude, like we're number six, Blake, or what the hell was that guy's Blake name? Blake Sims. Um, yeah, Blake Sims. They had, another, they had another guy who was even like more forgettable around the yeah. 15 team. I forget his name. Really bad. Um, you know, they they aren't as explosive on offense as they were last year. Their defense is great, but not quite as good as last year. But for this year in college football, it still makes them the number one team. So, you know, I don't think it really matters that much. But anyway, Tom, you go first on this one. Pick a side, a total, and an exact score. Yeah, will do. I want to just mention a couple other things first. So, Smith and Najigba and Travion Henderson, their two best players being out. I mean, that's ridiculous. Mayan Williams, though, the running back, also suffered an injury. I believe he will play. It's something to monitor as we get a couple days closer to the game time here. He, for people who don't really watch much, he's the like thunder to Travion's lightning. He's a really good running back, and if they don't have him, that's a big, big loss. Also, their guard is questionable which is not good when you're going up against Jalen Carter and that Georgia defensive line. Uh, Lad McConkie, McConkey, he was questionable as of a, a week or so ago. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I'm assuming he'll play, but we'll see. Important. Yeah. Very interesting that OSU is a, such a slim underdog when TCU had a better season than them and they're, and Georgia's supposedly better than Michigan. So it's weird that the other game has a higher line. And there's two reasons, of course. One is the Ohio State brand name, of course. But the other is that Ohio State's strength actually does match up well against Georgia's one weakness, if you want to call it that. Georgia's pass defense is not as good as last year. And if they have a weakness on that D, I think that's it. And it is Ohio State's strength with uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and C.J. Stroud and uh, some of the other guys they have. And so this game is going to be decided by um, a couple things. You know, number one, can the OS, the Ohio State D-line, can they shut down the Georgia run game and make everything rely on Stetson Bennett and his decision-making? And um, number two is will the Georgia D-line get to Stroud, make things uncomfortable, shut down Mayan Williams in their one-dimensional run game. Which D-line will will overperform, underperform, etc. Obviously, Georgia has the best defensive line in the country, but Ohio State's D-line is also pretty good. So if they're both playing well, then they can really keep them in it. I think that you have no choice, as Dan said, but to bet Georgia in this game. And I think that Georgia is going to get it done and kind of push them around, not quite to the degree of Michigan, but similar style. Ohio State will score some points against that secondary, but Georgia's just going to push them around, push them around, push them around, and sort of break through in the second half where it becomes overwhelming. I'm still torn on Ryan Day as a coach. I think he's an amazing recruiter, but I feel like something is missing from those previous Ohio State teams with Urban or Jim Trestle. And there's, I think, I mean, you said they're soft, Dan. That might be a slight oversimplification, but yeah, I mean, 
something's missing. And they, I've never seen them get pushed around like they have the last couple of years with Michigan. So I think Georgia wins this game. I think it's going to be 41 31 is my score prediction. So that's a uh, lay it with Georgia. That's an over despite the defenses. I do think these teams will find ways to score. I think the key is going to be as always Stetson Bennett, who even though he's going to maybe win back-to-back championships, even though he was in New York for the Heisman somehow still underappreciated and uh, should have won the Heisman. In my opinion, George is way better with him. It's going to be real interesting to see what they're like next year with uh, whatever Grayson McCall or some other guy like that. And uh, I think they get it done. It would have been nice if all of these teams were at full strength. If Blake Corum wasn't injured, if Jackson Smith and Ajigba and Travion weren't injured, if, you know, Georgia wasn't missing a couple of guys. I don't like the fact that this year's championship is going to be won by attrition a little more than it has been in past years, but I guess that's the way it is. So I'm going with Michigan. I'm going with Georgia. We're going chalk. I'm not really excited about it, but that's, that's how you've got to go with your head. Ryan. Um, yeah, I mean, Georgia's the play here for sure. Um, I think Georgia's the play here easily. And, um, I mean, yeah, you guys were saying it's it's pretty obvious they're the better team. Um, now, Tom, I thought you made an interesting point. You said that Ohio State's strength is uh, is their passing game, which is true for sure. Georgia averages less than ten yards fewer passing a game than than Ohio State does. Well, they're like all, yeah, they're also very that's, good. That's why I'm saying Stetson Bennett's right. one of the, still underrated. Right. That's like I'm just thinking that's interesting because it's like if that's Ohio State's strength and it's just barely better than you know Georgia's weakness. Yes. That that indicates a, a significant talent you know um, talent disadvantage there. So to me, this is just like a huge spot. I think Georgia absolutely waxes them. Um, I think this is a situation where this game might cost CJ Stroud like $20 million. He might drop from like top three pick to like 12th. I'm not, he's not going to go crazy. He's not going to go to the twenties or anything like that, but right. like he could go from two to 12, which is like a $20 million difference. So I, I think Georgia could actually do that to him. And so that's what I'm going to predict. I'm going to say this is going to be 38-23 Georgia. Okay. Um, Ohio State, Georgia, huh? Well, I'm not going to get fooled by Ohio State. They have a lot of flash, a lot of this and that. Look, I think Oregon, LSU, and Ohio State are all about the same equals when it comes down to it. And Georgia beat the first one 56-3. They beat the other one 50-30. Ohio State gave up 48 to Michigan's, you know, average offense with not a lot of explosive plays. Georgia 58, Ohio State 29. That's my prediction for this. Extreme over and Georgia, both. Stetson Bennett, what a, he plays so great in huge games. 
He may be hungover against Missouri at noon, mid-October, as he should be as a college student. But when it comes to these games, he's been perfect. And I'm not going to go against what I've seen out of Stetson Bennett or Kirby Smart or what I've seen inside the Mercedes-Benz Stadium or what I saw against Oregon or what I saw against LSU or Alabama last year. You have to bet Georgia and you have to bet an over. Like anytime you try to bet an under in a Georgia game, that's like a, a, an important one. It, it finds a way to come in over. Um, so anyway, 59, 58-29 is my prediction. I think Georgia just puts on a show and Ohio State gets whipped. And I think you're going to hear Ryan Day's name on the hot seat, believe it or not coming next year, even though most programs would be happy with an 11-win season. Losing to Michigan twice in a row and then uh, getting blown out by Georgia uh, on Saturday, you're going to hear some, well, if Urban was here, this never would have happened. Or, look, we should have hired Luke Fickle. And if Luke Fickle goes into Columbus with, Tanner Mordecai and beats Ohio State next year. <laughs> the, the seat will be so, so, so hot. So that's my extra bonus prediction for next year. Um, anyway, Georgia blowout uh, plus fuck Ohio State. So, you know, two birds, one stone. That's that. Can I add something? I heard, sure. I heard an interview with CJ Stroud and they were talking about what you said that it's basically a home game for Georgia. And he's like, yeah, it's going to be tough, but you know, it's exciting to play in the stadium. It's great. You go in there. It's the home of the Atlanta Falcons. And it was weird the way he said that the Atlanta Falcons, I was like, Oh, this is an audition for him, this game. So I don't know what pick the Falcons have Ryan, but when you talk about where he's going to fall, CJ Stroud, if he plays halfway decent in this game, he's going to Atlanta. Well, Atlanta's not horrible. They're not good, but they're like that division's so awful that they're like, I don't know, what do they have? Five, six wins? They're going to be around yeah. that 12th pick. They might be around that 12th pick. That might be a spot where if he fall, he might fall right to them. So would it be better for him to go in there and get blown out? See, it's a catch-22 because if he gets blown out in front of the Falcons, then they're not going to like him. But if he does well, then he might get taken too soon for them to get him. So he might have to talk to some Falcons execs before they might, and be not, like, take, they might not take a quarterback. They just took Desmond Ritter last year in like the whatever third or second, third round. So they might not take right now. Top Desmond 12. Ritter is not the answer for them. Right now, the Falcons would have picked six. Just put that out there. That sounds, okay. that sounds about right for me. Yeah. So CJ Stroud, if he can hang within a dozen points of Georgia, throw maybe three touchdowns in this game. I feel like he's headed back to Atlanta. This is a tryout. So Atlanta pick six, Rams pick seven, Saints pick nine are all Raiders pick ten. He can go to any of them. Panthers Rams, pick eleven. Rams have to give their pick up to the Lions. Oh yeah. Good call. Go Lions. So interesting. We're all in agreement that Georgia will win and cover. We kind of disagree on how um how large the margin of victory will be. But I think even I have Georgia over 
winning by more than six and a half. And uh, we're all in pretty tight agreement about an over in this game. So yeah, I guess that's way the over. Pick. Over for sure. I mean, way over the, all these Georgia games seem to go over except actually the Oregon game was 59 and a half and finished 56, three, which was hilarious. So technically that was an under and last year's national title game hit the exact number. Um, it was like 57 or something like that. And it hit the exact, so, you know, more it's come on, it's going over. Ohio state's not going to stop anybody. They let like Maryland score 30 points. Like, come on, like Georgia scored 50. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, we said going into the Michigan game, Ohio state wasn't looking good for three or four weeks before that. And we didn't know if they were just looking ahead or if maybe they had some serious flaws and then they played Michigan and we realized, Oh, they have some serious flaws. So it's a, I mean, it's a good matchup for them considering you're playing the number one team and defending national champ. They actually, you know, again, on paper, they have some matchups they should be able to win, but Georgia is Georgia. And I heard an interesting thing, which is that Georgia won the national championship last year and you might expect a hangover, but so many guys went to the NFL that they're playing with almost a brand new team. And these guys don't feel like they won a national championship. They feel like they were on the team, but they were on the bench. And so they want one of their own. And so they'll be uh, even more motivated. Not that you need additional motivation in the playoff, but these guys want a championship of their own. Okay, well, we're down to one game left to pick, the national title game, and, of course, our season wrap-up award show, which we actually need to do some prep work on this year and get organized. (laughs) Um, We we owe it to ourselves in the non-COVID year to make that happen. Um, Yeah, what else you want to talk about? This is a great playoff. I'm really excited. It's nice to have some new blood, even though these are three blue blood programs and TCU. It's there's no Alabama. It does make a difference to me. I go into this thinking like, even though I think it's going to be chalk, it's just nice to see some new players, new teams, new faces in there. So I'm really looking forward to it. Same. Can't wait. Looking forward to, uh, Saturday. Can't wait. Either of you guys have some closing thoughts, college football or otherwise? Yeah, I do. Um, Dan kind of mentioned it earlier. He did send a tweet about the Mordecai to Wisconsin thing. And then my first initial thought was, well, yeah, because Fickle played against him when he was at Cincinnati. They're in the same league. Right. And so, and so I looked up the game when Cincinnati because I knew the Cincy SMU game was a close game. It was a 29-27 win by Cincy, but Mordecai was awful and got hurt in the game and didn't finish. And he was like, he was 15 of 25 for like 105 yards with a touchdown and a pick and then left hurt. And then the backup came in, was awful, and Cincinnati snuck away with a win. So it's kind of interesting. Um I, I would have assumed maybe he had like lit him up or like played really well against him, but he was actually really bad in that game and didn't even finish it. So that's uh, it's interesting. Well, they are in the same league, so surely Fickle's familiar with his week to week performance. The other thing is 
don't assume he'll start because they also got Nick Evers from Oklahoma, the backup for Oklahoma, who's also pretty talented, a highly recruited guy. So they're going to compete for that job. Wisconsin's looking up, though. I mean, they've got they've got some guys in the portal who are looking pretty good. I have nothing else. Nothing else to add. We'll have a lot to talk about next week in addition to the national title game. We always say that's going to be a short 20-minute episode. It's always no, an hour. It's going to so. be four hours. I'm calling it right now. It's going to be our <laughs> longest one of the whole year. We're doing – We're. Uh, I'm going to make you do a coach's restaurant. We're going to retire that segment forever. We'll do a oh, – yeah, We'll will. do a Your Opinion is Wrong, even though there's no games. You come up with – It could be. You come up with a question that could be just pop culture or whatever where all answers are wrong. We'll do it. Okay. We'll do a non-football. Your opinion is wrong. Ryan you can give us um, some kind of tarmac preview, you know, the, the, uh, the runway or the departure gate or whatever you want to call it leading up to next year. We will, we'll do some awards. We'll do some flight log. The flight. Well, the, the, the flight I, log I, is the recap of the year. We could do that. I, the flight in, log. In, in, oh, yeah. in, in, uh, I was going to, I was going to call in, in honor of Verbo being the new sponsor of the Fiesta Bowl. It was going to be the Verbo call your realtor. You might be moving soon list. I like that. I do like a kind of retrospective of coaches. So we've got a lot to think about, but we'll be back with one more episode. It'll be a good one. We won't even pretend it'll be short. This week's all about football. Next week we'll have some fun. So Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again sometime before the national championship game. Date TBD. Good night. Peace.